Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower bonus episode. I'm James Nokise and joining me is clinical psychologist Saab Jahal. Kia ora, James. Kia ora, brother. Uh, I want to talk to you about something very dear to my heart, needing validation. What other dangers, my friend? Uh, I'm a stand-up comic, a <laughs> performer, now a podcaster. Uh, what other dangers of needing not wanting, but needing validation. Yeah, so there is that kind of different level of need that people have for approval from others, mm. okay? And often it's about, you know, people have a fear of not being liked. Mm. And I guess one of the things there is to understand that actually what makes you likable to some people may actually be a complete turn off to others. I try not to read the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so I guess if you think about that ink blot. Right, the inkblot test, you may have seen it in like books and mm. movies and stuff, mm. right? Mm. But people see different stuff in that inkblot. You yeah. may see a butterfly, another person might see a mermaid or mm. a death angel or whatever it is that they see there. But it's not about the inkblot, which is you, right? Mm. It's about what the other person brings to that interaction too. So whether a person likes you or not says probably more about them than it does about you. Right. Because it, it can feel when you don't have the sense of validation. I mean, sometimes you have a small sense of validation, but it's not the sense that you are after. I think sometimes performers and athletes kind of feel in that same mentality. And you, you kind of feel like the world must hate you then. Like it can be quite binary to, to use the language that you sometimes use as, you know, like it, it's either everyone loves me or everyone hates me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's true. That's the, the danger is that if you get into this kind of performing for likes, mm. often what we have to understand is that people tend to like people who are like themselves. So right. sometimes like like, likes, like. Right? So what we have to then do is to ask ourselves, who are we performing mm. in order to get likes? And are we comfortable doing that the whole time? Because where is your authentic self then? Mm. You know, is that a genuine like that people are having for you or is it who you're performing to be? And I guess then, then this is really about untangling your sense of self-worth and who it is that you are from being liked by other people. Because I guess it stems from can you actually like and be satisfied with who it is that you are being and being comfortable with the fact that actually that's not going to be everybody's cup of tea all the time. I think one of the most important lessons uh, you learn when you spend long enough in a performance industry is that sometimes you're the bad guy. And I wonder if that ties into self-worth of... Is it something that we all need to learn? Is that 
sometimes, no matter what we do in a situation, a person might view us as the bad guy. And if we have our own strong sense of who we are, it makes that easier. Yeah, I think that that is something that we possibly do need to come to terms with. But I think also there's another category of people. Mm. So yeah, there's people who like you, mm -hmm. and there's, there's the people for whom you're going to be the bad guy. But there's a whole slew of people, perhaps, who are fairly neutral about you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. But what we can do, if we're constantly looking for the likes, is that we misinterpret this neutrality. It was mm. like, I actually haven't made up my mind yet. It's right. not that I don't like you or I hate you. It's just I haven't seen enough of you yet, right? Mm is that we can misinterpret that neutrality for negativity if we're looking for it, right? So that, piece, that, that blank look on someone's face, we can misinterpret as this person doesn't like me. It's actually they're kind of like slightly bemused or confused or I yeah, don't have yeah. enough information yet, right? So that, again, that's something that we perhaps have to look out for is that we have this negativity bias. We're looking for the dislike because we're so desperate for the like. And what can we do about that? I think it's difficult if we have that need mm. to be liked that mm. seems to be inbuilt. And that can come from many, many different places. But I guess it's partly around reinforcing the idea that actually, who is it to be you? And mm. what is it that you want to do? And figuring out and being true to what it is that you would like to do rather than being positioned by what you think everybody else wants you to do or who they want you to be. And so the better that you can have a support network, perhaps, if, of people around you who are able to know the inside you, not the performative you that you perhaps show to a lot of people, but actually the true you and, and, and who like you for being you. But that takes a place of vulnerability. Mm. That takes a risk for you to be able to do that. And it can feel really quite unsafe for, for many people. So to pick... Pick the people who you show yourself to mm. in the early stages wisely. Uh, and you may make mistakes, but try not to take it too badly to heart and try and do that in as safe a way as possible. I think one of the interesting things about you saying vulnerability is that, and I can only speak to my personal experience, is that people who I've met who have found it easier to talk about their mental health journeys and their mental health vulnerability have often been the quieter people, mm. the people who you would look at and go, oh, that person might, might be vulnerable. Whereas the big, bold, brash people, big personalities, you know, real dominates a room kind of, when they need help, mm. they've actually struggled mm. to be able to ask mm. uh, because it doesn't seem to go with who people perceive them what can someone who's listening to this who has who is that big bold person that life of the party what can they do to to make sure that that they can get some help too mm. it can be very difficult in that position you know it's this idea that you know perhaps you think that people only know you for this personality this this bold you who's in the outside and it can feel like well if i if i change that if I'm changed for who I'm known for being, then that feels threatening to my sense of identity, mm. which then becomes a challenge in itself. But it can also feel like if you have this kind of a hidden inner life, that you're kind of almost like leading dual lives. Mm. And I know many people speak about that, this idea of like, well, I'm this person here, but actually I'm a very, very different kind of a person when I'm in private. And I guess recognizing that, that perhaps that that's a, a, a split, a duality that you have, but within your trusted inner circle, then you do have good relationships where you can be truthful and honest about how this is 
making you feel. Maybe you do have a public persona that you're vested in and that there is an expectation that you're going to be doing this. But finding a trusted inner circle that you can be who you truly are outside of your public persona, I think then becomes really pivotal for people's well-being. And within that trusted circle is it's understanding that they are seeing the true you or is it understand that they are seeing the vulnerable part of you um, because maybe part of the true you is also the big loud part yeah i mean that's something that you would have to do then i think is really to to claim ownership of all of you mm. and see that as one facet of you that may be for consumption or that you are with a different audience like i wouldn't use the language that i use with my friends in the pub mm. with my parents Right. Okay. We all do it. Yeah. But yeah. in different stages and in different levels. Okay. Mm. And this is almost like doing the same, but recognizing that actually the sorts of conversations that I might have with my partner, again, may be very different. And the vulnerability I show there may be very different to what I might show in the pub or, or to my parents. We all do this to lesser or greater extents. But it's about claiming ownership and an awareness of what we're doing in these situations and understanding that actually it doesn't affect our true sense of self-worth just because people value me for this kind of like outward big persona doesn't mean that that's the totality of me and often people are kind of like having this conversation internally if only they knew the true me mm. that is part of the true you yeah. but it's not the totality of you i think that's a real important difference as to understand is that the the totality and the and the truth uh thank you very much clinical psychologist sabja Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.